0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Dan Urban, along with my partner, Scott Fontana. We're a day away from the debut of Fight Island for UFC 251, with three championship belts up for grabs. We've got the big Kamaru Usman vs. Jorge Masvidal welterweight fight everyone has been clamoring for, plus the Alexander Volkanovsky and Max Holloway featherweight rematch, as well as bantamweights Peter Yan vs. Jose Aldo.
1: Dan and I will share our thoughts on those fights and more. We've also got a pair of past fights to break down involving two of the title challengers. We're looking back at Aldo's December loss to Marlon Moraes, and also Masvidal's first five-round UFC bout against Benson Henderson. We'll examine both in this episode's installment of Past Judgment. Well, hey, we got a pretty packed show, so let's not waste any time. Let's dive right into Past Judgment. Before we discuss our first fight, Dan will break down, as usual, how we score fights in this segment.
0: Yeah, the CSJ criteria aims to provide a score which more accurately reflects the fight. So we still use the criteria as written by the ABC, except we modified it a bit. We've made it so close rounds are scored 10-9, more definitive rounds are scored 10-8, and 10-7s are given for rounds you would score 10-8 by the current ABC standard. All this is determined by the three Ds, damage, dominance, and duration. We also removed aggression and area control, but that isn't used by real judges anyway, unless effective striking and grappling are dead even. We only give a 10-10 in largely uneventful rounds anyway. So, Scott, set the stage for our co-main of the night, Jose Aldo versus Mala Moraes. Yeah, so this was actually
1: on the main card of another stacked three-title fight event back in December. It was UFC 245 at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, December 14th of, of that year. The main card had Kamara Usman once again against Colby Covington in the main event. The first Max Holloway versus Volkanovski fight and Amanda Nunez defending her bantamweight title against Jermaine Durandame. Now, Morais was coming off a TKO loss to Henry Cejudo for the vacant bantamweight title. Before that, he'd won four straight, including three consecutive round one finishes. One was a punishing knee knockout of Aljamain Sterling. This was Aldo's first fight at 135 pounds after a legendary career at featherweight. He hadn't been the same since the Conor McGregor 13-second KO four years earlier, though. He entered this fight having lost four of his last seven. Judges for the evening were Michael Bell, Eric Colon, and Mark Smith, and the referee was Mark Goddard. Dan, let's dive into round one. How'd you see it?
0: Round one, I gave 10-9 to Morais. He opened the round with a strong head kick that wobbled Aldo.
1: Yeah, that was like that switch kick.
0: Yeah, nice nice left kick, straight to the head. Jose wobbles a bit. Didn't really do much after that. He answered with a good right, and then they kind of stared at each other for a bit. Uh, Morais didn't really keep the pressure. I thought he had potential to hit a 10-8 if he just kept going, but he was uh, cautious, uh, rightfully so.
1: And Aldo basically just stalked him for most of the round.
0: Yeah, just walked him down. I mean, there were some good good strikes landed uh, by both men, but Aldo hurt him towards the end of the round with a couple punches, which forced Marais to clinch and land a big lateral drop. Uh, then he rode out the round on top.
1: I thought every strike that Marais landed was just, not every strike, but most of the strikes were more impactful, just in general. Like, you just saw a difference in the way they were landing, not just the head kick, but but elsewhere as, you know, punches he was landing, things like that. It was just more on his side. So even though it kind of felt like the strikes landed were pretty similar, it really felt to me that Marais just kind of had this.
0: Yeah, Marais was strong. Though those Aldo's really only impactful strikes were those last couple at the end of the round.
1: Yeah, he, he did start to kind of come on late in the round. It was almost like he needed to wake up or something, like that, which is. You know, not unusual for him. I don't know that it's a wake up thing. Oftentimes, he's used the first few minutes of a fight to feel out an opponent um, and give those up. But obviously, this was a three round matchup. He's usually fighting five rounds, so you can kind of give, afford to give that up more in a longer fight. Here, not so much.
0: I find it. I always find it strange when fighters uh, have to realize they're in a fight before they start fighting. But that you know, I don't think that's the case with Aldo.
1: I don't think so either. Yeah. I, I don't know if the, he was kind of like a, like a Forrest Griffin got to get hit a few times kind of deal. It was just, you know, he uses it to feel out, I think. But again, it's dangerous in such a short round where you are in such a short fight where you've got three rounds to go. And if you end up kind of dropping one, you got to win the other two or you got to finish it. You can't guarantee either one.
0: Yeah. So you went 10 9 as well?
1: Yeah, I did. This, even in our system, this doesn't push past the, you know, kind of that close 10 9 that we would be thinking of in normal terms. So it doesn't go to our 10-8. Yeah, that's fair. And all three judges also agreed that this was a Marais round. I thought this was a pretty easy cut and dried Marais round.
0: Yeah, I thought it was a bit closer than you thought, but uh, still still scoring it for Mirais.
1: Yeah, it doesn't change much. What about round two, though?
0: Round two, I gave 10-9 Aldo. I thought Marais started the round good, but you know, Aldo turns the tables when he lands that strong left to the body. And after that, it was just pretty much all Aldo. I mean, Mirai stayed competitive in my eyes, but, you know, Aldo had the stronger lands, clearly.
1: Uh, You know what? I actually went all the way to 10-8 in our system. I just thought this was an excellent Aldo round. He was landing throughout. He opened a cut on the bridge of Mirai's nose uh, and also next to his left eye. So he was leaving leaving some damage there. You know, you open up cuts near the eyes and, 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 and that kind of region, you know, you're getting closer to being able to end a fight, you know, um, even just on a cut. Not that it got that big, but at the very least, you're leaving damage, you're leaving your mark. Damage is a part of the of the criteria there, so I, I liked that. I like to see that. He even landed a really good leg kick in this round. Like, where the heck has that been in Aldo's game? It, it's such a amazing part of his game, and you just haven't seen that. It, it, and forget this fight, probably his last few years of fights.
0: They return this week. <laughs> you think so? Okay. They're going to return bold, this bold week. Bold proclamation. If they don't, he's not going to win.
1: I mean, probably not. But we'll get to that later. Uh, but I don't know. I just don't understand why he doesn't use them as much anymore. They're they're such a potent tool when he uses them. But to the point, you know, he ripped the body well, like you mentioned. Uh, I, Marais was landing, like you said. But I just thought Aldo was so much more effective. And even though it's probably a borderline 10-8 in our system, I tend to favor going in that direction when it's close because you really wouldn't mistake this at all as a Marais round. You know, he left his mark. He was landing hard you know, the combination of the two, I think that's what does it for me, even though it doesn't check dominance or duration.
0: Yeah. My thing is that Mirai's was still landing pretty decent shots. It, it, I didn't really see, while well, Aldo was the clear victor in this round, I didn't think it was by a big enough margin to go 10-8. That's
1: fair. That's fair. Maybe I'm maybe I'm off base here in a system that we created, but
0: <laughs> 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 no, but se- no se-
1: seriously though, I, I might be off base and, and it is what it is, but I think it's worth considering the possibility that this is a 10-8, if nothing else.
0: We should consider every round a 10-8. Consider the possibility <laughs> all the time.
1: Well, should we should only consider the possibility. Yeah. If we make every round a 10-8, then what's the point of doing what we
0: do? <laughs> <laughs> I'm all for more 10-8s. Uh, just give him 10-8s.
1: Okay, cumulatively, though, so you're talking about a 19-all fight. I have it now 19-18 to 18 in favor of Aldo just because he got that 10-8 on, on this round for me. All three judges had Aldo ten nine here, which is yeah. I mean, that's what I would have given too.
0: Right. So let's let's move on to round three, the final and deciding round on your card. Mariz is going to need a ten eight to win or a finish, right?
1: Yes, on my card he would need a ten eight to win uh, or a finish, but you know he could certainly make it a draw here. But before we even get to the action here, immediate oh, yeah. hug alert, Dan.
0: Oh, we finally got a hug alert.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> I thought uh, of you. I'm like, oh, we better point this out to this man. Hug alert. Yeah. Dan is triggered by hugs. He does not like to see them mid-fight.
0: Mid-fight, there's no, there's no place in this sport for it.
1: I agree. I wouldn't. If I was a fighter, I wouldn't do it either. I would say, listen, we'll do it later. You know, touch gloves, that's fine. Beyond that. But to the action itself, no, I didn't see anybody getting a 10-8 in this round, but I did see it for Marais. This was a 10-9 Marais round to me. It was, Aldo just really wasn't, as successful at the start of this round you know because he he obviously had built some good momentum in the previous round and I don't really know what happened to it
0: I don't know where it went Joe Rogan seemed to think he had it Mirai's was landing throughout off his back foot yes Aldo was just stalking him the whole time and Mirai's was hitting him I mean it, you don't win because you're moving forward and that you know yes hearing the commentary team uh like harp on that was a bit annoying
1: yeah I mean that seems like they're just saying oh aggression as we know aggression doesn't factor in unless the striking is even and the striking in this round was not even this was definitely Marais winning the striking you know his cut by his uh his eye by his left eye was a little bit worse in this round but most of that i think was still a result of the actions of round 2 i didn't think it got that much bigger to no, the point where just... you'd say oh he damaged, damage you have to count that i don't i don't think it was as much and no. even aldo was wearing some damage by this point he had like a little welt on the right side of his face too I don't know if you noticed that. It looked like he did anyway.
0: He was getting hit pretty well. So... Yes,
1: he was. No, I thought this was a solid round for Marais. It was reasonably close, but solid one. I just, I didn't see it for Aldo.
0: Yeah, me either.
1: And it definitely didn't check any of the other Ds.
0: No, for sure not.
1: Yeah. So at this point, you obviously went 10-9 for Marais too.
0: Yeah, 10-9 Marais.
1: So you have it 29-28 for Marais. And I have it 28-28 draw. Okay. Which I'm okay with. I I look at that fight and I say, you know what? that was That was a reasonably close fight.
0: I agree with you. That's a you nail. Know, mm-hmm. That's a draw. I mean, do you get a title shot off a draw? Not in most worlds. Uh,
1: well, but usually apparently... you don't get it off a loss either. But I mean, it, that's what happens here because Eric Colone and Mark Smith both gave Marais ten nine in this round twenty nine twenty eight overall, and Michael Bell was the only one who dissented, giving it to Aldo ten nine and twenty nine twenty eight. So Aldo lost, still got the title shot. Didn't matter. At least a draw is a little closer.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean. Whatever. I'll, at least we'll see a great fight.
1: You know what? This was a solid fight. Uh, just to talk about this fight we just spoke about, it. I thought it was a solid fight. I enjoyed it. It deserved two more rounds. That would have been fun. Yeah. It Kind of. It had the misfortune in this sense of being just the second fight on a pay-per-view bout order. It was uh, it was the lead into three title fights. But yeah, I would have, I would have been interested in seeing two more rounds of this. I don't know why you can't put Aldo and Morais as a as a headliner when you've got. Some other weird headliners that we've done. But, you know, they were trying to stack the card. I get it.
0: Yeah, they always do that at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. That's going to do it for Jose Aldo versus Malda Marais. Let's move on to the main event of past judgment. Benson Henderson versus Jorge Masvidal. Take it away, Scott.
1: Yeah, so this fight, this was actually almost five years ago. It was the headliner of a UFC Fight Pass exclusive event in Seoul, South Korea. November 28, 2015. Bendo had lost three of his last six fights coming in. Beginning with losing his lightweight title to Anthony Pettis, he dropped his record to twenty-two and five at this point, and he just won his welterweight debut, a fourth-round sub of Brandon Thatch. Mosfidal also had just returned one hundred and seventy pounds after most of his career at one fifty-five, but he had been at welterweight before. He won his previous fight, a first-round KO of depleted middleweight Cesar Mutanche Ferreira. He was twenty-nine to nine at this point, including six and two in the UFC. He actually took this fight on less than two weeks' notice after Tiago Alves pulled out with a broken rib. Judges for the evening were Mark Craig, Barry Foley, and Charlie Keach, and the referee Herb Dean. Dan, round one. Let's dive in. Who won it?
0: Ten nine, Henderson. Pretty easy call for me.
1: Easy call. I don't. I don't think you see this one any differently. Honestly, it, it was. It was close. It was a tactical round. Very active. It was definitely a good way to get into a fight. Usually, you have these kind of feeling out periods, and I thought this one actually activated pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, Benson was very fast. It was like some of the fastest strikes I've seen him throw. Duh, well was... yeah,
1: because he had finally come up from lightweight. He he uh felt a little more spring in his step not having to cut.
0: Yeah. One twos were coming out like I mean bam bam. It was very fast. masvidal was the one stalking though. Yeah, he was the aggressor, technically, but he gets dropped.
1: Yes, yes. Henderson was countering so well, so he was able to drop him too, you know, because he, he was just more pinpoint and, and avoiding the offense coming from Masvidal.
0: Right. You know, that, that seemed to wake Masvidal up a bit more because he got it a did. bit more urgent with his strikes.
1: It absolutely did. You know, he got right back up. He, he like, when he got dropped, he wasn't really down. He he kind of went down and came right back up, and he came right at him.
0: Yeah, I mean, he had great body work. It just wasn't enough uh, for him to win the round.
1: Yeah, it, it was a closest round. I, I don't, I wouldn't want to say it was too definitive that it was Henderson. I thought it was for Henderson, but... I can understand an argument for Mosfidal, a minority argument there, um, but even with the knockdown, it, it's you're only talking about the D for damage here. Dominance doesn't play in because really Mosfidal wasn't in trouble.
0: Yeah, nobody was dominated here.
1: Mm-hmm. Now Foley was actually the only judge who sided with you and I ten nine Henderson, whereas Craig and Keach both saw this for Mosfidal, which I thought was curious.
0: Yeah, a bit interesting. Maybe you know
1: again, again it was close enough, but still I, I would have thought that would have been a minority argument.
0: Yeah, that, that last Fury, probably they scored it pretty high.
1: Could be. And it's interesting because you would think that if the judge was on autopilot or something like that, they would just say, well, Henderson got the knockdown. So so I don't think it was that they were on autopilot. They just saw it a little strange. Yeah. But what about round two, though? Do you think this was a more easy round to call?
0: Oh, for sure. I was, I was thinking maybe 10-8, but I didn't go that far.
1: Oh, okay. For, for who?
0: For Henderson. Uh so yes, I gave him a ten yes, nine.
1: Yeah. I 10 ten nine Henderson here. I can understand you almost going that far. I, I didn't do that myself. I didn't I didn't even really entertain it that close, but it was a good round for him. Uh he was landing crisp at distance, you know, good work in the clinch at the fence, attacking with knees and heel strikes.
0: Yeah, the knees were what was like, wow, those are some strong strikes. He's coming up, you know, damaged from it. I really liked his uh strategy of pulling his hands off the mat before throwing it. None for this game playing.
1: Yeah, I, I love to see more of that, especially at heavyweight. I think we should be able to just like lift you off the mat for a second and just pound you down with a knee. I, I want to see more <laughs> of that. Give me that. <laughs> you know who could have done that? Brock Lesnar.
0: Oh, Brock, that would have been vicious. A, a
1: beast that. like him. But anyway, back to this fight. Masvidal, he, he did have a, a really good flurry about two minutes in. I don't think they all landed, but it was a good burst of offense for him. That was really the only
0: one. Yeah, he had these bursts. He seemed like he never really had urgency in this fight that often or for that for an extended period of time.
1: That's that's kind of a mark of Masvidal. Throughout his career, you see this a lot. He's he's fought a little differently of late. I think just because he starts the fight with more urgency and he's able to end the fight a lot quicker this way. But it's certainly something that's just a part of his fight DNA.
0: Yeah, even as Kimbo fights. He comes on slow, but he comes on strong towards the end
1: yeah absolutely he he was i should point out masvidal was he was looking for chokes a few times but benson was defending very well (laughs) that's a tough man to choke he is it's happened but (laughs) he's not easy he's got good defense with it and it's not people just say oh it's because he's got the hair and everything no he has good defensive instincts he knows jujitsu he knows how to defend for sure Uh, this this obviously for me only checked one d uh and i didn't think the damage output was enough to push it to the 10-8 range like we said so yeah, I felt good keeping it at a 10-9, and at this point, since we both have the same scorecard, we're seeing a 20-18 fight for Henderson.
0: Yep, twenty eighteen Henderson on my scorecard, and...
1: Foley agreed with us again, 20-18 Henderson on his card, but all three judges actually had 10-9 Henderson here, so it's tied on two of the cards going into round three. And in round three, was it Henderson again? Or did Masvidal finally start to take over?
0: No, Masvidal finally started taking over now. Although I should say Benson probably should get credit for Yair Rodriguez's knockout of uh, Korean Zombie for using those elbows, because that's where Yair must have learned it. Could be. I've never seen him anywhere else besides those two fights.
1: Yeah, honestly, though, this was a very close round for me. I did go Masvidal too, but I can understand an argument both ways here. The thing that pushed it over for me was Masvidal's guillotine attack.
0: He did. He had a guillotine attack there.
1: That high elbow guillotine. He was standing. Benson quickly defended it before it got dangerous, but it was a good attack, and I thought the stand-up was, you know, more even. Not even, but more even.
0: Both both guys had good striking, especially early, you know, the good kicks.
1: The nice front kick he landed, yeah. The one that made uh, Jorge smile. Yeah, like he, he does a lot of those, you know, those smiles and and facial reactions and stuff like that to let you know that oh, it didn't do anything for me, you know. That's that's just, obviously it's just head game stuff, but like, mm-hmm. I don't. Who does that work on? Who does that work on in the UFC? Uh,
0: nobody at that level.
1: Not Benson Henderson, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I think I. It's silly, but it's it's part of who he is. It's almost like his uh his trash talk in a sense, you know. Yeah,
0: just you know, I'm not a fan of short hair, Moss, at all.
1: <laughs> he liked it when he grew it out, right? Yeah.
0: Fits his character better. <laughs> Fair enough.
1: Uh, but because this one went Masvidal's way, we now both have it 29-28 for Henderson. So back to being a close fight here. Uh, Craig and Foley both had Masvidal here. So we're still three for three with Foley in step. Barry's doing great. He is. <laughs> yes, Barry Foley. Good work there. Uh, Keech, though, he had this one 10-9 for Henderson. So... While Foley and Keech now have it 29-28 for Henderson, Craig has 29-28 for Masvidal. Okay. So, you know, we're, we're still talking about split fight, close fight, going into round four. This was a pretty close round, too.
0: You know what? I didn't think it was all that close. No, huh? I thought Benson just looked busy. He, You know, he clinched a lot of this round. He's throwing those, you know, those little kicks, but they didn't seem to be doing much. And in the clinch... I thought Masvidal was was definitely winning the exchange. He's getting pressed against the cage, but he was the one that was landing things.
1: I just thought that the pace in this round slowed a lot, so there was less offense kind of going on for either one of them. I don't think either man did a lot to really take the round that strongly. Not that it was enough that we would even consider 10-10 status or anything like that, but yeah, Masvidal, I, I thought he landed more often is really kind of just what I... Gave it to him for it wasn't by much, but he definitely did land more than yeah. Like you're saying, Henderson looked busier than he actually really was. I think
0: outside of that last second knee he throws, kind of at the end of the round, I didn't really think I couldn't recall much offense that he had besides pressing Masvidal against the cage.
1: It was a pretty close round, though. I I understand if somebody went for Henderson here.
0: Mm, I don't know. I kind of have trouble going Henderson.
1: Well. Craig and Keech did not. They both had Henderson winning this round.
0: I had such high hopes for Barry.
1: (laughs) No, no, no. Foley had it for Masvidal.
0: Oh, my bad. I I misheard you.
1: That's all right. So at this point, though, you and I both have it tied at 38, which is the same score as Foley. But Keech has now given three straight rounds to Bendo. So he's got it 39-37. And Masvidal needs a finish for him. Uh, And Craig actually also has... 38 all but he just got there in a different way than you and i did so anyone's fight going into the final round not that they know it but yeah it's a close fight final round who won it
0: Uh, i think masvidal might have known it because he fought with much more urgency i gave this round to him 10-9 again okay this was another round where i felt benson was just very busy not all that effective you know masvidal has this really strong guillotine attempt
1: yes this guillotine was definitely dangerous Another high elbow. He really likes that high elbow guillotine.
0: He he kept getting it too. It was almost like, why are you letting him, you know, put you in this uh, this hold here? Like he didn't. Benson just kept attacking the legs. He never attacked the hands, and you know, his hands were free to grab the neck. And he just scrambled out of it. I mean, really, what this round showed is how really good Benson Henderson is at scrambles and given the illusion of effectiveness.
1: What I thought was funny though about this choke, he gets
0: out of the choke once he gets down on the mat, but then he basically lets Masvidal try it again. <laughs> Right, that's what I'm saying. He never, he never yeah. attack. He never defends the hands, and you oh, just keep going after my neck. And
1: he didn't even try to move out of the way, though. It's I like mean, forget the defending the hands. Once you're out of the choke, he he wasn't in a position that like it wasn't like he was mounted or something. He could have moved. It, he just kind of let it go. It was very weird.
0: If Masvidal had some sort of control of, if he had a guard or uh, or pinned him against the cage he might have been able to finish but he just didn't have any any control of the benson's body to get the finish ben,
1: but benson is smooth man he's smooth
0: and, and like i said he just he really really showed off his scrambles but that really isn't effective it's just i'm just no scrambles scramble are around. not
1: in the criteria as effective offense but so he i didn't really see what henderson did to win this round honestly I thought that guillotine made a big difference in a round that, again, lower output, pace dip round. I, I I don't see how you would see this any other way, but Masvidal in this round, honestly.
0: I think you definitely have to go 10-9 Masvidal here.
1: Yeah, yeah, same. I wouldn't go 10-8. It, it didn't push that way, but I felt like this was probably, of the three rounds that I gave to Masvidal, I thought this was the most clear.
0: This was for sure uh, a very clear round. I th- I thought round four was also clear, but this was, like you said, the most clear.
1: Yeah, the most clear, for sure. We can disagree on four, but I think we we agree that this was honestly supposed to be an easy call here. Not for the working judges that night because Barry Foley finally stepped away from you and I, sir.
0: Come on, Barry.
1: Yeah, he and keach they both went 10-9 Henderson. Craig saw this one from Osvidal.
0: Craig's my new friend.
1: There you go. <laughs> so now with the final tallies in, you and I have it 48-47 for Osvidal, which is the same final score is Craig. Foley had 48-47 for Bendo, and Keach gave 4 out of 5 rounds to Henderson, so we're talking about 49-46 on this card. Didn't feel like that kind of fight.
0: I don't see a 49-46 here. Way too I saw, close. I saw
1: two close rounds, so yeah, I have to admit rounds. that there, were, there was a path to it, but I still don't think he even took the path to getting to that point. It was very weird.
0: I mean, Bendo's made a career of taking split decisions. And Masvidal has
1: Lost a ton of them, too. <laughs> They're kind of like tailor-made to be on the path to a split decision that Henderson wins and Masvidal loses. It's almost like it was destined.
0: And it came, it came true.
1: Mm-hmm. But I feel for Masvidal here. That's And that's the thing about Masvidal. His record, it's not all that impressive as far as numbers go. He's sitting at 35 and 13 heading into this championship fight, the biggest fight of his career. But I think the majority of those losses are decisions especially over the last few years you know if you look at his record he lost unanimous to Stephen Thompson lost split to Damian Maya, lost split to Lorenz Larkin lost split here lost split to the Aquinta, Quinta unanimous to Rustam Kabilov unanimous to Gilbert Melendez unanimous to Paul Daly split to Luis Palomino and now we're 10 years down the road here he loses a lot of split decisions
0: yeah he's only been finished three times
1: Yeah, he's a durable guy. He hasn't been finished in more than 10 years. So it's kind of misleading when you look at his record because, yes, he's losing fights. He's not getting the win on the judges' cards, but a lot of them were very close and probably could have gone his way. So he's much better than his record says.
0: Yeah, he gives us a lot of material for past judgment.
1: He does. He does. And that kind of leads perfectly into this weekend's event. I think we might as well talk about it. Are you ready, Dan? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. So the main event here, he's challenging Kamaru Usman for the welterweight title. Not putting his BMF belt on the line, though.
0: He doesn't feel Usman's deserving of it.
1: I think it was a Dana decision. Also, I don't think it should be on the line. I think that should be a belt. And I don't want to get too sidetracked by that belt. But I think this should be a thing that's kind of like a prize that someone wins and they don't defend. They just like you were the BMF champ of 2019. That's it. That's it. I, I think I think that's how it should work. I would be fine with that. But back to this fight, as much as and we mentioned this on our show the other day, as much as I thought Burns had more merit to get this title shot, Gilbert Burns, and and obviously the COVID-19 positive test meant he had to be pulled from this. But I am glad that they're getting this big fight in because it needed to happen sooner or later. And And when you have those fights that there's kind of a specter that they're just hanging on, sometimes it goes from being hyped to being kind of just, it just drags on you and it's like it's nice that they're getting this in it's actually a pleasant surprise
0: yeah this fight uh is more exciting i think
1: it's easier to sell that's for sure
0: oh absolutely
1: this will do bank
0: yeah gilbert burns definitely deserves the title shot hopefully he's still next regardless who wins but you know things happen in the ufc that that sometimes can't be explained
1: sure but anyway this fight though do do you have kind of a feeling of how you expect the fight to go?
0: Well, I've made mention that I believe Kamaru Usman's going to go down as uh in the GOAT conversation. So, I'm not going to move That's off. Right. I'm not moving off that. I think uh I think we might see a couple 10-8 rounds. Maybe he doesn't really? get maybe he doesn't get a finish, but I can also see Masvidal coming out and maybe he gets the knockout.
1: I do think Masvidal's path to victory is getting a knockout. I I don't I don't know if there's much of another way for it. I think if it goes 5 rounds, it's not I mean, like we said, split decisions don't go Masvidal's way. But the one thing I'll say for Masvidal, he does have much better wrestling than I think anybody gives credit for.
0: Well, I was going to say Benson Henderson is a really good wrestler and he couldn't get him down.
1: A smaller wrestler, to be fair. But but yes, absolutely.
0: How much better is Usman of a wrestler? I don't Usman know. Usman
1: is worlds better and bigger. I think he's a much better wrestler.
0: All right. So then Jorge may spend a lot of the time on the mat then. I mean, he might.
1: Yeah, but and the well, the problem, the real problem from him is that if he opens up too much, that's when he can find himself on the mat. And because like we talked about before, Masvidal's some of his habits because he's got almost 50 fights now, some of his habits are kind of out there. You know, we know that he sometimes, uh, you know, disappears for periods of a fight and then he'll explode. But if you weather that kind of explosive portion or if you have the gas tank to keep pushing, you can probably keep him in check. So as much as I think he could test the champ's chin with any of those explosive outputs, he might believe himself vulnerable to just being put down on his butt. I don't know if we're gonna get a 10 8 here in any situation, any of these rounds. I think it's gonna be close enough, but I I definitely think Usman's gonna take this. He'll he'll wear him down for a clear decision.
0: Yeah, my my pick is Usman. Another uh, wrench that gets thrown in here is Usman's been training four burns, mass Fidel. I'm convinced has been training for Usman this entire time because if you're not staying ready in COVID times for a late ch- for a, ch- a chance at a, a late replacement, I think you're doing the game wrong because I, th- we're going to see a lot more people falling out more so than normal times.
1: I think normally you would be right in that, okay, yeah, he's been training for Burns and not for Masvidal. I think Usman has been pre- preparing for Masvidal. Longer than he's been preparing for Burns because the Burns fight didn't get put together until kind of the last few weeks, really.
0: Okay, you do you make a good point there, but that's really that's the only wrench I could possibly see.
1: Yeah, I'm look. I have no dog in this fight. I like Usman, I like Masvidal enough. I you know it would be a fascinating story if guy who used to fight in the backyard with Kimbo Slice is now the champion more than ten years later of the world. Be a hell of a story. It would be a hell of a story, we'll say. But yeah, I I also don't see this one losing this one. But what about the rematch, the featherweight title rematch between Volkanovsky and Max Holloway? Do you see this one going differently than the last fight?
0: I think it goes the same, and I think it might even go beyond that in favor of Volkanovsky. I mean, Max Holloway has been training via Zoom on his own with no training partners, no coaches. That's like absurd to me. I don't know... How you prepare for a title fight doing that. I mean, I understand not sparring. A lot of guys don't spar. You know, they don't want to take that extra damage. They know how to fight.
1: And Max certainly does.
0: But getting your fight cardio up, you need to fight. Like, is he, he's not rolling with anybody. He's got no wrestling practice with anybody. I mean, maybe no technical sparring where they're not, you know, they're just trying to work on technique. It's, it's strange to me. I think we might see uh, Max Holloway not have the greatest cardio, especially if it goes... Uh, rounds four and five
1: I may live to regret this because I was leaning your way most of the time saying Volkanovski I think probably just has the style that unfortunately gives Holloway some fits uh, as great as Holloway is but now my gut's starting to tell me Max gonna bounce back well and get the victory I'm, I'm torn I'm torn I've been going back and forth I'm genuinely curious how Holloway adjusts he obviously does have to adjust but I think he's a cerebral enough fighter that he can figure it out on his own and I think the kid's a fighter through and through. I don't care what he's been doing the last few months. I think he can probably get through this fight, regardless, because he is a world class talent.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. My thing is, he's he's definitely at a disadvantage not having a training camp.
1: Hey, we all thought—I well, don't know—we all thought, but anyway, a bunch of people thought that Mike Perry had a disadvantage because he had his girlfriend in his corner. Didn't matter anyway. It, we're talking about apples and oranges, but you know, it's just saying—you know—conventional wisdom doesn't always win out.
0: It does. I mean, if Max wins, that'd be great too. Now, I mean, that we're almost guaranteeing a, a trilogy fight then.
1: For sure. I, I <laughs> That's the unfortunate part is they would have to run it back probably right away. And I think it would be a solid fight, but featherweight is a division that I don't think should be held up too long. Although some of the top fighters there have also been kind of in holding patterns. So there's there's two sides to it. The third title fight though, and this is for the vacant Bantamweight title that Henry Cejudo dropped uh in the last time he was out just a couple months ago with he re- with his retirement Peter Jan, jose aldo it's still bizarre that aldo got the title fight after the loss to Marias, even though again i thought it was a close fight but how do you see this one going
0: i think jan's gonna win this one so we all get what we want which is jan versus Algermaine sterling i don't get how jose aldo gets this fight off a loss but if aldo wants any chance of winning i think he has to bring back those leg kicks
1: Yeah, I'm with you. It it really should be Aldo's fight here. I I was really hoping they would figure out a way to get this done, but he's going to get it next. It's going to happen probably sooner than later. But for this fight, I do think being five rounds, it favors Jan. Not that we've seen him go five hard rounds at this level, but I would worry a lot about Aldo's ability to go five hard rounds because even at 45, that wasn't the easiest prospect
0: for him. And now he's at 35, so... Yeah, but he's saying it's easier to get to 35 than it was to get to 45. He can say anything he wants. <laughs> I'm just saying. I got to take the guy at his word.
1: I don't. <laughs> I'll look at him and say, Jose, you're full of it. <laughs> I won't tell him to his face because I don't want him to hit me. All right, let's yeah. see Fr-
0: if Friday, if he weighs four pounds over and this title fight now becomes a, only if Peter Yan wins.
1: Oh, God. I hope when you're listening to this, All these fights have been made official because everybody made weight and we didn't have all these screw ups and stuff. Gosh, (laughs) look, don't forget, by the way, Frankie Edgar is there and I'm sure he's going to try and make weight because if Aldo doesn't make weight, maybe he steps
0: in. Wow. Oh, my God. You just (laughs) Jose miss weight. Come on, miss weight for Frankie. Uh,
1: You know, I don't root for anybody to miss weight, but I'll tell you, I just don't see a way for Aldo really to win this. You can't count him out. But he, because he does have times where he does look like the Aldo of old,
0: he's still young enough where he can be, too. So,
1: yeah, he's not old. He's roughly my age, which uh, if I call him old, then I'm old. I feel I feel like a young man still. Uh, so, yeah, my, my pick is Jan. Easy pick. Uh, I should also note that if somehow Frankie Edgar steps in and, and we've got to talk about uh, an alternate universe where this happens, Jan still wins.
0: I would never go against New Jersey.
1: Oh, I, mean, I don't, don't pick want Frankie to. Yet, I, I, I like Frankie. You know, I had the pleasure of speaking with him many times, and he's, he's, he's a good guy. He seems like a good guy. I don't ruin against Jersey, but yeah. I mean, Russia's going to win that one. Judges, though, from what I hear from a source, we should expect all international judges. Nobody knows anything for sure yet, or at least I haven't heard anything for sure. Um, but for reference, the last time that the UFC had an event on Yaz Island was in September, and the judges for that one were Howie Booth, David Leatherby, Maria Makmutova, Ben Cartledge, Mark Collette, Clemens Werner, and Pavel Harrison. So a combination of them is probably a good bet. These are international crew. Uh and for the record, in that championship fight that was at that event could be against Dustin Poirier, Cartledge, Collette, and Leatherby worked that. So we could see a version of that crew happening uh in the in the in the main car in the main event. But we've got three title fights. So, you know, we've got some we've got three very important fights. I hope the judges are on point.
0: Yeah, I really hope they're on point. I hope that they're as good as we saw for the Apex run.
1: Just anybody who's curious kind of how they judged that Khabib fight. It was all ten nines for Khabib, except for on Cartledge's card, he gave a 10-8 to Khabib in round one. So take for that as you will, depending on how you watch that fight. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see what, what combination of men and women we get for this one. What about the fight you'd like to see, Dan? Other than the three title fights, obviously these are great fights. But what what else on the on the undercard?
0: I'm most looking forward to Rose Namajunas versus Jessica Andrade, uh, the rematch. Okay. I think Rose really puts it on her this time. Doesn't let her get, you know, spiked on her head and knocked out this time.
1: I would love to see how it's going to go. Now, it's unfortunate they don't get five rounds to work with. I I think that's another one that probably deserves its own event.
0: They should just start making a lot of the main card fights five rounds. Yeah. I don't see why not. Make every fight five rounds.
1: Hey, if you want to start talking about number of rounds and things like that, I can I could go on. But uh, the fight for me, actually, though, and as much as I love the women's fights, and this is such a high-level women's fight, for me, the big fight to, that I'm looking forward to, other than with Gold Online, Vulcan, Ozdemir and Yuri Prochaska, the new signee.
0: They're going to kill each other.
1: They probably will. The 205 pounds, Prochaska hits hard. He, he's a finisher. I don't know if this one's going to go all that long, uh, but it's going to be fun. You know, Prochaska just, if you don't know, he's the former Ryzen champ. It's a tough debut for him coming in against Uzdemir, but it also means if he beats someone at Uzdemir's level, he might very quickly become a contender. You might have to get used to the Czech's name. It's a perfect test for him, and I'm excited to see how he does.
0: Yeah, we'll see if this one makes it out of the first. I don't think it does.
1: I don't think so either. I think it's gonna be a fun one. I think this whole card's gonna be fun. There's a lot of great fights here, and, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what what we have in store on Fight
0: Island. That's all, folks. Scott and I will be back next week to break down the UFC 251 judging, as we do after every event. We'll do the same with both of next week's events, including that sneaky midweek event on Wednesday. We'll be sure to share our thoughts on the Fight Island experience as well. Be sure to subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get them. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Couchside Judges, as well as myself at Dan Urban MMA. Follow me on Twitter also at Scott underscore Fontana.
1: We'll catch you next week. Enjoy the fights, and as always, stay healthy and safe.
0: See ya.